morning. Well, we've come almost to the end of the uh, study in the Sermon on the Mount. Is this one on? Oh, yeah, thank you. One of the things that uh, is interesting, when you sit in the front, you get to observe certain things that you don't normally see. And so I was sitting there and there were two things come to my mind. Firstly, I was looking at this table, the communion table, and I was thinking, it's a, it's a lovely piece of furniture really, it's, uh, it's blackwood. And uh, I was looking through at the leg there and I could see all the various colours and it just made me think that it was a tree once, Brett, and probably at that time didn't look all that appealing, just was a tree. But somebody took it and they worked on it and probably carefully selected the timbers and they sanded it and polished it and moulded it into that and it just struck me that it's become a lovely piece of furniture. And it made me think that this Sermon on the Mount that we've been studying over the past three months almost now has lots of elements of, of how we ought to be living our lives and if we apply them, it, it just made me think it's a little bit like the table. As, as, as God comes in and, and brushes over us and sands off the rough spots and we take his word and we apply it and we start to let it build into our lives and change how we think and act and work and so on, he can make something beautiful out of our lives and that's what this Sermon on the Mount's all about. Then the other thing I noticed, I was, I was looking here and I was a bit worried for you, Kat, because I noticed that you weren't plugged in. <laughs> so Kat's been singing away and hasn't been plugged in. And I thought, it is important to be plugged in. But then I realised, the further I sort of sat and looked... <laughs> that there's actually three leads here today. And so you were plugged in, Kat. No problem. But that made me think about whether or not we've really plugged into what God's been giving to us in regard to this sermon. You see, the power's there. Everything was there. Andrew had set it up earlier and probably had it ready for three microphones but only needed two today. And it just made me realise again that God has given us everything that we need. The power is there, we just have to plug into it. So as we think about the sermon today, we come to very well-known passage, the, the wise man and the foolish man like Everyone who's had anything to do with Sunday school or anything will know the story well. But often with familiarity comes this sort of consideration that we don't have to take much notice of what uh, is being said. And then there's the other little passage we read about people who thought they had it all together but when it really counted, they suddenly discovered they didn't have that personal connection with God that they needed. And uh, so we want to talk about those things. In verse 28 and 29, next week Garth is going to come and pull this all together and he'll talk about those verses. 
But you know it says that they were amazed at the teaching of Jesus because he taught as somebody who had authority and I was thinking about that. And there's been a recent YouTube clip going around, many of you here may have seen it, from John Orthberg, a US author, uh, talking about Jesus. It's a great clip and goes for about 20 minutes. I enjoyed watching it. Here are some of the things he said. Regardless of what you think about him, Jesus of Nazareth is still the most dominant figure in history. He is the man who has changed the course of history and for the past 2,000 plus years uh, after his death is still impacting the world in which we live today. He is impacting mankind, giving dignity and compassion, forgiveness and hope. He's the most significant figure that ever walked this earth. His influence in history is inescapable. Everywhere, uh, every time we even look at the calendar and we consider what the date is, it makes us realise that, that everything is determined by the death of Jesus and even the dates that we work by. He is such a central person in human history. Why? Why has Jesus impacted so many people? Today he has more followers than at any other time. There are more, far, far more people today follow the Lord Jesus Christ and his teachings than ever did in the days that he lived. Why is that? Jesus' followers today all around the world are impacting communities with principles and practices that come straight out of this Sermon on the Mount. So these, these things that he taught to a crowd of people and to his disciples thousands of years ago other Christian disciples today are taking and they are applying them in communities around the world and it's changing people's lives. That's powerful. That's very powerful stuff. Could it be that Jesus was indeed who he claimed to be, the Son of God, the Saviour of the world? The teacher from Galilee, who when he saw the crowd had compassion on them, recognising them as sheep without a shepherd, So he taught them as one who had authority and that was a contrast between what the religious leaders of the day taught and what Jesus taught because of the authority that he had. And we've been considering, as I said, these uh, principles for the past almost three months. Teaching on how to be rich in what is really important in life, rich in the kingdom of God, rich in comfort, rich in righteousness how to be merciful, how to be pure in heart, how to be peacemakers, how to be children of God. He's been challenging us that we are to be salt and light in the community that we live in, standing for what is right in the needy world. He's opened to us a new and a living way, giving us standards to follow in the relationships that we have with other people. He's challenged us to consider how we might love one another, He's given us a moral compass to live by and a promise that if we lay up treasure in heaven we will never have any worries about security in this life. We were reminded last week about two pathways in life. Josh spoke of them. One that leads to eternal life and the other that leads to death and destruction. 
Uh, we heard about two kinds of trees, uh, one that bears good fruit and another that is fit for nothing more than being cut down and thrown into the fire. And after all of... Uh, these weeks and the times that we've been considering all these things, you are coming to a point where you need to make some decisions about what you've heard. Will the, will the teaching of Jesus have any impact on your life and how you live or are you just going to let them go through to the keeper and change nothing? You're happy to stay as you are or are you happy to consider what Jesus has been saying here and take it and apply it and let it bear fruit in your life? We've heard from people this morning sharing uh, how uh, they've applied some of the things that they've been hearing and they've been thinking about and letting it impact them and that's what we want to encourage you to do. As we come now to the end of the sermon, Jesus is wrapping things up but I want to tell you he did not preach this sermon without an expectation that we would take notice and that there would be a result, there would be some impact into our lives. He's been teaching his disciples. Um, in verse chapter 5 it says that he, 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 he went away with his disciples, those who had already decided to follow him. But there was also a wider group of people, there was a larger crowd of people that had gathered people that perhaps as yet had not made a commitment to Jesus. Maybe today here in, in a small group like this, got a lot of people away today, must be good weather and Father's Day or they knew that I was speaking, Garth, that was probably it. But you know, maybe there are people here today who are like the people in the crowd. They haven't yet made a decision about whether they're going to let the teaching of Jesus have a part in their life or not. So he tells them this final story about two men, one that is wise and one that is foolish. And the foundations they decide to build their houses on will determine if they are wise or if they are foolish. One withstands the storms and the other is destroyed. The story is so well known Maybe we discard it because we think it's just a children's story. But what does it really mean for us today? You know the story of the wise and the foolish builder, it really represents the life of these two people. Maybe you don't take much um, notice of that. You think perhaps that Jesus is not addressing his disciples now when he says this. Maybe you think he's just addressing the crowd so if you are a disciple of Jesus you might be tempted to think that this is not really applicable to you but I think that Jesus has very intentionally put this here so that we might take heart whether we're on a journey to faith or whether we are a child of God that these principles need to be lived out in our lives. Jesus has been giving us... Um, some much needed instruction about how we should live our lives. Matthew 16 and 27 tells us that someday Jesus is going to return and he is going to judge the world and that's why he's given this teaching so that people might be sure about the foundation 
that they will stand on when Jesus does return. Now we might say that we're not interested in uh, what's going to happen into the future. We're more interested in living for the here and now and the future's a long way off. Taking too much notice of Jesus' teachings today, some people think that is boring and irrelevant Um, and they want to just live the way they want to live. But let's be very clear. Jesus is coming back. He will judge the world one day and if we do not have him in our lives, there is a coming storm that will destroy us. And all of these weeks and weeks of looking at these different practices and principles about how to live our life is leading us to the point where we need to understand that if we are not prepared, when the storm comes, we'll be washed away. There are consequences today about the decisions you make in regard to these teachings. Life is not just about the here and now and one day, as I said, Jesus will return and if we are not built on that solid foundation, we will find ourselves like those that are referred to in verses 21 to 23. You know that group of people that they were religious people? They were obviously fervent. They said, Lord, oh Lord, you know, they, they protested their, their position before the judge. Maybe they were full of various activities and uh, so on, but perhaps they were really what we might just call seat warmers, people who've come but never really uh, taken it any further, never had a personal relationship with Jesus and they thought that they would be okay, but Jesus made it very clear. He said, depart from me because I never knew you. That's a tragic situation to be in, to to know it all and yet still miss out. Things might look okay in your life today. Things might look calm and peaceful. But I want to tell you that storms do come. Pressures come. Mary and I have got a good friend, um, a couple, and the wife has, uh, has had a serious stroke not just a mild stroke, she's had a serious stroke and it's it's absolutely changed their lives. My friend's had to leave his business. He has to care every day for his wife. They're our age group. They were looking forward. I know what they were planning to do. They've shared with us what they wanted to do. I, I know what they were hoping to do in retiring years but a storm came and she fell ill and got cancer and as other things happened and a blood clot was formed, went to her brain, she had a stroke. Now she needs care every day and will do for the rest of her life. And you tell me sometimes that the storms won't come, I want to tell you they do come. They come when you don't expect them. And that's why Jesus is giving us his teaching and giving us warnings, helping us to understand that life is not always plain sailing. And as in the physical realm trouble can come, so too in the spiritual realm God will call us to account 
for how we've lived our lives. And some of us here, you know, like to go to Belgrave Heights at Easter. We like to go camping up there and sometimes the weather is good. More times than not, it's not, but there are times when the weather is good. And uh, you know when the weather is warm and sunny, you could easily be fooled into thinking that you don't need to set the campsite up properly, you can just <laughs> do what you like. Uh, maybe you could think that it's okay to take some of the shortcuts, not put all the pegs in, uh, let's not go to too much trouble. And how often things can change in a short space of time and the wind comes and the rain comes from out of nowhere and then you're in trouble. And you know, I have seen it at Belgrave Heights. I have seen small little two-man tents blowing down the road, Garth, because somebody's no longer laying in it and they didn't put the pegs in and it's blown off down the track probably because they didn't bother to set up properly at the beginning. Now, it's a strange thing, but as you walk around the campsite at Belgrave Heights, you know there are times when I've walked around there and I've noticed that that tent needs a rope, they need a few more pegs in that one, and if they don't do something about that big tarp they've put on, they're going to be in trouble because you just know what's going to happen. The wind is going to come and it's going to whip it up and it's going to rip it out and, and it's going to end in tears, not going to end well. So what do you do? You know what most of us do? We don't interfere, do we? We don't want to get involved. We don't bother to tell them they ought to put another rope out. They ought to stick a peg in. It's not our business really. So we just walk on by. Life can be like that. You can have, see a situation developing in somebody's life, a relationship that's not right, a habit that's not right, something that's happening and you just know, you just know that trouble is coming. You know that it's not going to end well. So do you get involved or do you walk on by? Difficult, isn't it? You know, the other day I was at Bunnings and uh, I don't particularly like going to Bunnings. So I, I like what they have there but I find it frustrating that nobody knows much and you can never, never get what you want if you don't know the layout of the store properly. But I was in the tile aisle And there was a guy about my age and he said to a young attendant, I want to drill a hole in the tile, is this okay? And he had a small drill. Well, I knew that the attendant had no idea what they were talking about. I was standing close by and I I just knew that they had no idea about what was happening. So this guy was getting a bit agitated. He said, well, look, I just really want to know, will this be okay to drill the hole? So I thought, couldn't help myself. I said, I said oh, what sort of a tile are you drilling into? He said, I'm a builder. I've been a builder all my life. He said, I know what I'm doing. I said, oh, okay. I said, I just wondered if you were drilling into a porcelain tile or a ceramic tile because 
because what you've got there will be okay if it's a ceramic tile but it won't be any good if it's a porcelain tile. He said, you don't have to tell me, mate, what to do. He said, I know what to do. (laughs) And I thought to myself, I wish I'd have shut up. (laughs) I I was honestly only trying to be helpful. But then afterwards I realised he didn't have a clue what he was doing and, and he certainly wasn't any builder than I knew. Um, and, and really, it just made me think that it is not easy when we get involved in other people's lives. But you know, we have a responsibility to do that if we see a storm coming and problems brewing. Um, If you are sleeping in a home which is about to be flooded by rising floodwaters, it's my duty to come and warn you, to tell you you need to get out. And it's no different in life. Jesus has been giving us in this sermon a whole lot of of principles to live by and we can choose to do nothing about them or we can choose to embrace them. But it would be wrong of me today if I did not warn you that if you choose to ignore them, there will be a consequence to that action. I have a responsibility to tell you today of the dangers of ignoring Jesus and his teaching. Because if you ignore his teaching, you ignore it at the peril of your own life. And over recent years, we've we've seen many pictures on the television about the local SES or the police coming in to warn people there's a flood coming or a fire coming and you have to get out and you have to vacate your property and we want to encourage you, get out while it's safe to do so. But what do you see time and time again on the TV? People saying, I'm not leaving, I'll stay and defend. I'm not going. How sad it is when you see the report the next night or so on the television and you, you find out that some of those people who were warned have lost their lives saving stuff, you know, just stuff, houses, stuff that can be replaced and people have lost their life doing it because they didn't want to heed the warning. And it's the same in the spiritual realm. And we can be like this unwise builder and we can, we can build on a foundation that will not stand in a coming day. You might think today, don't need to hear it, Lee. Uh, I'm happy as I am and I don't need to change. And maybe you think that the storms, perhaps they'll come in life, but they'll come another time. In the parable of the rich fool in Luke 12, This is what Jesus reminds us, that none of us know when God will call us to give an account. And verse 20 says, God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be required of you. He thought he had all the time in the world, but God called him to account. And none of us here today would say that our lives match up to the teaching of Jesus in all of these areas that we've been covering over the last three months. But we're on a journey and if we've given our life to Jesus we have a promise of his help to get us through any of the situations that life might throw at us. 
You see today, that's the difference between these two builders in the story, is what they do with what they heard, whether they apply it or they don't apply it to their lives. Verse 24 says, Anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. But verse 26 says, Anyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice is like a foolish man. You know, from the outward appearance, these two builders look the same. They build fine-looking houses. Their lives look okay. Everything seems good on the outside. But in another part of scripture, we know what Jesus says about things looking good on the outside. He said to a group of people once that they were just nothing more than whitewashed sepulchres. Everything looked good on the outside, but things were not good on the inside. You can have two houses in the same street and at a casual glance you might think that they're the same. There's not a lot to tell them apart. You know, can I ask you what is your life really built on today? We can have people here today who all look very much the same but the foundation of one might be quite distinctly different to the foundation of another. And, and when the trouble comes, when the judgement comes, when we're called to account, our lives may not be as good as what they might appear to be on the outside. John chapter 14 verse 15 says this, it, it tells us that that is the evidence of whether or not the teaching of Jesus has taken root in our lives, whether these principles from the Sermon on the Mount have taken principle and grown, uh, have developed and are part of our character or not. And that verse says this, if you love me, you will do what I say. you would wonder why anybody would be like a foolish builder and not bother to put down proper foundations. Some people are like that, you know. I think they're just lazy. They just think they'll do it all another day. They won't bother about it today. They're not willing to do the hard work. They just want something showy uh, and they're happy to, uh, to, to live with that. And a foolish pe- person wants all of the comforts and the benefits Maybe, maybe today you enjoy the, the benefit of being part of a Christian family here in this church uh, but you've never made that personal commitment to Jesus Christ. Um, you want, the, you want the, the grace and the love and the nice parts about the teaching of the gospel but you don't want the discipleship, you don't want the commitment, you don't want to give up the things that you like to do that you know are not right you, you don't want to be salt and, and, and light in the world. You, you don't want to watch your morality. The foolish person probably thinks that the Sermon on the Mount is really just idealism. It's unrealistic to think that you could live the way that Jesus has been teaching. What's he been telling us? He says, don't look at a woman lustfully in one of the other sections that we dealt with. That's unrealistic, Jesus. Don't break your oath. Be true to your word. Turn the other cheek. You mean when somebody does the wrong thing to us, we're to turn the other cheek. That's unrealistic. It is unrealistic if you don't know 
God's love in your life. It's unrealistic if you don't have the experience of, of Jesus living and indwelling you. Foolish people like to take the passages in the Bible um, that they're familiar with and embrace those things but they're not too keen on the ones that talk about the true discipleship and discipline and sacrifice. It's easy to go with the flow, go with the crowd, the peer group that will, will push us in a certain direction. It's difficult to walk down the narrow road as Josh reminded us. It's much easier to be pushed down the wide road with the crowd and just do what everybody does. Can you stand for Jesus when the storms come? The world will throw every challenge at us to help us conform to its image. Only with strong foundations will we stand firm. How will your faith stand up when you are going through difficult times? When sickness comes, and it will. When we lose our job, when things are difficult, when storms come when the children rebel or the money runs out, when those sorts of storms come in in life, how do you handle those things? I've got another young friend who works with us at the moment. He subcontracts to us and uh, he, uh, he and his wife have, have, a, have a real difficult road. She's not well. She hasn't been well for a long time. In fact, they've only been married about three and a half years and she's been ill most of the time. And she appears to be getting worse. And they don't know what's wrong with her. They're not sure. Maybe part of it's coming from her mind, part of it's physical. They don't really know. But what I know is this young guy, he told me the other day that she is at the point now where he takes her to the toilet, where he has to shower her, where he does everything. And I thought to myself... He didn't sign up for that. He's only been married three and a half years and he has to try and keep it all together. How do you do that? And I said to him, how are you coping? And he told me that until he got to the end of himself and handed it all over to God, he couldn't cope. And he said, it almost beat me, but he said, it's okay now. God has, God has got it in control and he said we are trusting that they will find out what the problem is and he said I have said to my wife when you are better we'll have another honeymoon he said we've never had a honeymoon she's been sick right from the beginning how, how is it that a young man can have that sort of quality about his understanding of difficult times it's because he understands what Jesus has been teaching here. Wise people allow God to mould and shape their characters. Wise people look for ways to help and serve. Wise people seek godly input into their lives. They look for people around them who they can learn from. Wise people take time to read their Bibles. Wise people ask God to search their hearts and, and welcome him working in their lives. Wise people humble themselves before God. Jesus is not asking us to be perfect to come to him. Oh, heaven knows we're not perfect. He knows us all today so he knows none of us are perfect. But he is asking us to humble ourselves before him. 
You know the stories, um, there's a story about a, a, a village in a uh, Scandinavian country that has uh, a statue of Jesus kneeling down, looking towards the ground and it talks, um, in the story it's, it talks about a man who was looking at the statue from a distance and he said to one of the attendants that were there, I can't see his face. And the attendant said, but sir, if you want to see his face, you will have to kneel down. True story. If you want to see his face, you will have to humble yourself. And people don't want to do that today. It's not a fashionable thing. But that's what God is asking of us. Sometimes we get hung up thinking that we're not good enough and you would be right to think that in our own strength. None of us here have all these principles of that Jesus has been teaching all locked in and consistently lived out in our lives. Do I always keep my word? Do I avoid the love of money? Do I never judge other people? Do I never worry? Do I never do things for show? Do I always turn the other cheek? Do I do to others as I would have them do to me? We don't always live at that level of understanding but it's a journey we're on, that's that's what we want to do. I don't think many of us, if any of us could say yes that we do that but that's not the key question to focus on. The key question is do you want to be like that? Do you want those qualities in your life? Can you say, God, with all my heart, I want to be that sort of person. I want you to work in me and mould me and change me into that type of person. Is it your desire to say to Jesus that you want to take these teachings that we've been looking at in the Sermon on the Mount and you want to be a wise person because you want to apply them into your your life, you want to take them into your heart and you want to live them out in your daily experience. You want to embrace this teaching? I encourage you to do that. You know, if you take those things to heart, you apply them, you seek to live them out, God will give you the strength to do it. Maybe there are some today that haven't even started on that journey and God is saying to you, I want you to be thinking about these things. I want you to, over today, the coming week, be thinking about what God is saying to you about these things. Next week, as Garth comes and pulls this all together, he will ask you to make a commitment. You can make that commitment today if you have never made that. You can come and you can ask God to to help you understand these things and to apply them into your heart and life and to become a child of God. If you don't want to do that today, you can think about it and God will bring these things to your mind over this coming week. And as you come to church next week, we will encourage you to think about making a commitment to Jesus Christ that will change your life forever. Maybe for the first time or maybe people who have been on a journey for a period but have not been living where they would like to be living. So as we finish, I I want to remind you that there were another group of people here today going through the motions, taking part in church, helping out in ministry, doing all the good things, but in their heart, 
They knew they were never really belonged to God's family and yet they, they tried to plead their cause at the judgement. But Jesus said, depart from me because I never knew you. And that would be a tragedy. Tragedy to be spending months listening to the Sermon on the Mount and then miss at the end because you didn't bother to take it to heart. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to again spend time together thinking and considering your words. Speak to us, I pray, and speak into our hearts and lives and help us to be the people you would want us to be, to live out the principles and practices that Jesus has been teaching here in this sermon. And for those who have never made a personal commitment to you, I pray your spirit will speak to them and help them to understand the importance of dealing with these matters so that they too can be sure that they are secure for the future. We ask your help and guidance in the day ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.